and it came in. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, uh, now that's going. Um, hey, everyone. Yeah, now, I need, now I need to take five minutes time out In my ears. after that. But hey, Oscar, thanks heaps for um, making some time today in lockdown Melbourne. Great to talk from Hillsville to Rye, um, you know, all the way across Victoria. Really appreciate your time, man. Pleasure. Time is what I have right now. And why is that? <laughs> I wonder. Hey, yeah, it's amazing the things that I've been doing to fill it. Um, aside from you know music things, I've been cleaning. I cl- I went around my house where I live here in Rye and cleaned all the windows the other day. Is that a last that's, resort like task? That's like serious last resort kind of stuff. You like know, is but next the other cleaning like the trim around the. The wall, oh, oh the I, wall, I, I, I did that. Oh, wow. Done that. There, though, that was pre-window <laughs> cleaning. Um, the windows were like, if it's because I'm just in this house all the time, never really leaving very much except to go to the shops or take the dog for a walk or do a little tiny bit of exercise. Um, I, I, I'm just looking at the walls a lot and looking at the windows, and those windows were beckoning, you know? Especially that so salty find- air. They would have needed it. Yeah, it's dusty and salty and, you know, um, so I looked at them one day and I just thought this is the day and I spent the, you know, it took hours. I thought it would be like a <laughs> half an hour job. It took like most of the day. And that's what we're no, actually going to talk about today is it's window yeah. cleaning. Um, cleaning yeah, my, my, my side hustle. <laughs> that's your main job now. It's like your one form of employment within your 5Ks or 10Ks is cleaning your neighbor's windows. Some sort yeah, of well, there's there's probably some book like Zen and the Art of Window Cleaning or something like that where like you can draw analogies between window cleaning and other parts of your life. And I'll tell you one analogy I can draw is that when you're when I'm working on music, the deeper you go with a song, the more you hear things that you don't like. And so having now gone around and cleaned all the windows, I now see every tiny little speck on them, and I just want to keep cleaning them, is it which is a real trap. Yeah. Is it ever perfect? Never, never. <laughs> Nothing is. At some point, you just got to walk away and go, nobody else is going to notice. <laughs> yeah, I do hope that. Yeah. I, your soul I, will I, die a little bit. <laughs> I know. You think, well, yeah, that's right. And 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 with windows and songs, pe- people don't notice. They just, you know, feel the vibe. Absolutely. <laughs> well, vibe. well, not with windows. They don't feel the vibe with windows. <laughs> they just sort of More notice, notice that they can... Bad. Yeah, well, they notice they can see out of it, I suppose. Sorry well, for um, it's messy. That's a it's a great start. Yeah, I love it. I'm this. sorry for making your podcast so boring, mate. I've <laughs> I feel like we've gotten off on the wrong foot here. I feel like it's it's great. It's the art of window cleaning. Um, price of entry, <laughs> yeah. everybody. Let's talk about that. No, yeah, you've already yeah. touched on it already about music, and you know, most people probably know you from Holy Holy as a guitarist, producer, founder of that. But you also have some other endeavors within that world that you do. What else is it that you actually do with your time or as a job, if you can call it that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do, I do call it a job. I, I, it's not the same as um, having a job where you're in, where I'm employed by someone else, but, but that's just cause I'm like a freelancer, you know, like, so, you know, like a freelance graphic designer or something you know they've got a job but it's freelance so it's, it's not like I, I think that it's some special category but yeah it is different to having a, you know an employment contract with someone anyway um yeah uh, music yeah so the band is great and um you know been really fun and enjoyable and taken you know like a, a whole chunk of my time and 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 passion which has been awesome and i'm very happy for that and then outside of that yeah, producing other artists, mixing um, for other artists, uh, songwriting with other artists. Um, I kind of, yeah, jump around with those sort of three things and um, that keeps it fresh and, um, you know, means I get to meet, although at the moment it's meeting on Zoom, get to meet lots of different people and explore different avenues and all that, which is wicked, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there's a, there's a few things in there that I'd love to explore from like, yep. you know, what, what it's like being in a band at the moment, what it's like mis- mixing in a virtual world, but then also the the path of um, entry into those different endeavours. I guess my first question is, so which came first? Was it the mixing and the producing or was it the guitar and band side of things for yourself? 
I mean, I started playing guitar and that was my first kind of passion, I guess, just growing up and, you know, as a kid and a teenager. Um, so that was always a first thing. And then I studied uh, music, so which was a guitar focus. Um, so there was that. And then, yeah, that was like my entry point to kind of playing in bands um, with other humans. Um, and how is and... that jump from playing with yourself? <laughs> that's that's <not> wrong. <laughs> playing with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> playing with yourself in your bedroom as a teenager. Um, that's, a, that's a statement with the guitar yeah. people. Get your minds yeah. out of the gutter. Gosh. Um, <laughs> to actually playing in a band. Was that a difficult jump for yourself or something that you've observed other people maybe perhaps struggle with? Being a pathetic bass player, I definitely noticed a challenge when I actually had to play with a drummer in time. I'm like, oh, it was a while ago now i suppose i craved uh playing music with with other people um from a young age and um the th- it's thrilling you know and um it's definitely something that doesn't always work perfectly first time um and not every collective is um necessarily works out the way you want it so you know um but by that i kind of mean like you're not friends with everyone you meet even you know you don't have a great conversation with everyone you you come across um so similar with music i i think you know um throughout life play with some people and the conversation works great and other times oh i'm like oh that wasn't quite right but that doesn't mean that i'm bad at music or they're bad at music or we're you know not doing it right it just means that it it wasn't right, you know, mm. for, for some ineffable reason. So I think I just kept doing it, I guess, and having failures and then having the odd tiny little glimmer of uh, hope slash success. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I'd, I'd always, but right back when I was playing guitar, again, as a, as a kid, I was always just be playing along to CDs and there was a guitar mag and I'm going to sort of show my age a little bit here but like there was this type of there was this particular guitar mag that i used to buy every month it would come from overseas i get the overseas copy as i'd be waiting for it every week because there was no uh spotify to just dial up to play along to i didn't have a full rack of cd yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't google the tabs um no it wasn't possible um there was no google um and um uh, you, you, so I'd, I'd go and get this this mag every month and I'd bring it home and I was a solitary little kid um, and I'd just be playing with myself in my room for hours upon hours just with the little CD that came with the magazine. It came with a CD with all these backing tracks on it. Yeah, right. Um, for, for various songs. They were like, oh, this week it's uh, pick a famous old classic rock song. Um, I don't know. Uh, something by Led Zeppelin and they'd have a backing track and you'd learn to play along with it. And I used to just spend so many hours doing that. It was like, it was, this is why it's good to learn guitar when you're young or any instrument when you're young, not that you can't do it when you're older, but it's so good because you just don't have that sense of time. You know, you can sit there for four hours and you don't, you just don't, it's just fun. You don't, don't think twice, you know, other than lockdown, who has a disposable four hours to just yeah. throw it a hobby. It's I know, right? Rare. I know. And, and even I, in lockdown and now in, in my, you know, older age um, as a, as a quote unquote adult, um, <laughs> I like, sometimes I pick up the guitar to play it and I, I, you know, I play it for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes and I start getting this little itch in the back, not a real itch, like an itch in the back of my head where I'm like, shit, I probably should do something, you know, like more, uh, you know, is there some to have some admin to do? Yeah, you know, right. should I be cleaning the windows? Should, yeah, should I vacuum? <laughs> should I, what, what's, what, I've got a plan. Is there some more important task for me to be doing? So, which is, it's sad that sometimes I feel that way, but it just happens. But yeah, so anyway, I played along to those CDs for so long. Eventually, I was like, I need to play with other humans. And that, that started happening. And, you know, sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was weird. And do it enough that, you know, you find the people that you gel with and keep going, I guess. Because that's got to be almost a, a, I think that's something that would be really hard to find. I think is, you know, why it's not just start a band and it works is there's got to be so many, you know, things line up for both skill and personality mix. Did you ever encounter like where maybe like the group had 
great skills, but not the personality mix or the other way around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. And I've, I've been in bands where it's, you know, maybe gone for years like that, where the skill we, we've, we've, we've respected the skills and we've had some good elements in terms of our ability to play together, but there might have been some personality differences and clashes and um, there's no perfect answer. I don't think, I think there are, you know, better, uh, better worlds and slightly less good worlds you can inhabit in that regard. But um, as I say, there's no perfect answer. Um, and as a producer, I see it also when I'm working with a band. Um, sometimes I see just this great gelling of personalities, but I'm also thinking in the back of my head, geez, it'd be great to get a different drummer in um, <laughs> just, to, j- just to get those parts sounding a bit, bit snappier. <laughs> there's definitely, um, I bet there's probably a few stories from the industry where certain drummers right. that have been in certain other bands have come in and re-recorded the drummer's music and uh, not told them about it until the album hits. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh no, there, there, there definitely is, and it's a, definitely a thing. Yep, yep. You'd have your 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 core band member who's the drummer, um, but you only you know they're in the photos and on the on, on on the stage when you see them play live, but they get someone else to do the recording. Yeah, I think it, Dave Grohl's. Fa- I think Dave Grohl's famous for doing that, didn't he? With one of the first Foo Fighters albums, is wasn't quite happy with it and came in and re-recorded the drum parts. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, in his case, he is. The Foo Fighters, really, and he's one of the, you know, now one of the great drummers, great rock drummers. So I can understand that, you know, in his case. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, that'd be that'd be hard to rock up with, absolutely. So you've yeah. gone from like you know playing along to see in your room and yeah. started playing with real human beings. What was the period of time between going from CDs to humans to in a band and actually performing on a stage for the first time. What was that sort of timeline and what was that journey like? Oh, um, I was super nervous. I was always very, like an anxious kid, um, very um, nervous about performing, um, very nervous about being on stage in any capacity, really. Um, so I would, but I would force myself to do it. And, you know, I was lucky. I went to a nice school and they had like um, school bands. So I kind of always was in the school band, which was a bit nerdy, but I kind of just did it. And it was really useful to help me, you know, learn how to read music and how to fit in with a collective of musicians and just really basic stuff. Um, so I, mm. I did that and, um, and, but I was so nervous all the time, you know, and um, mm. I kind of, I had a, um, I had one, my, my first kind of proper band. Well, let me start again. The first band I played in um, was, I, 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 it was basically this band where I kind of, I was just a kid really. And my, uh, we had, I had a family friend who was my dad's age. Um, so he's, you know, in his seventies now. But at the time he was, you know, like a, like an, like a middle-aged guy with a bunch of other old blokes who played in a band and I joined in with them. So it was a bit weird. I was like, you know, 30 years younger, but we played a couple of gigs and that was fun. That was my first experience probably playing on a stage as a kid, you know, as someone who technically wasn't even allowed in the venue because <laughs> I'm too young. Yeah. Um, and so that was like a kind of a weird and fun little icebreaker. Um, and um and from there yeah just play with people and you know um school years were weird awkward times i um didn't re- you know i kind of never really had any friends who played music it was just not a very musicy existence unfortunately which i didn't like very much but it was what it was um and then um yeah i left school and started studying music because i wanted to meet more musicians um and you know yeah play more gigs and um, just sort of went from there. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of any other way to tell the story. But, mm. um, it's just like a gradual, you know, dipping your foot in the ocean and going further and further in. And now I'm like, um, I have no choice now but to keep swimming, you know? Yeah, there's no, there's no backup plan. Oh, except for maybe the window cleaning business. Like that could, that could take off. Yeah, yeah, that could take off. I mean, it does make me think like how lucky I am like to be making music and um what i do is so much fun and um yeah like i i did i did make a decision at one point along the way like i can't remember when it was but um i just said to myself i'm gonna i'm gonna deliberately 
not give myself a backup plan. Right. Um, like I'm not going to enroll in some degree, um, which, you know, is useful, mm. uh, f- for a vocation. I'm not gonna pick up some part-time job in something that could have a career path to it. I'm just refused mm. to do it, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is stubborn, but uh, I think you need to be stubborn a bit in life, um, sometimes. Um, and, um, I just made a decision not to give myself a plan B basically. Cause I'm like, oh no, I, I think it's sink or swim. And, um, I, I like swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're clearly doing it very, very well. Is that, have you watched many people, like what has that journey been like from that approach that you've had starting out as a teenager to now? Rough number, if you can put a number to it. How many people have you seen come on trying to do the same thing that you're doing and had to go to a backup plan? Out of say 100 how many actually make it through? Oh, oh, a handful, I guess, um, c- compared to hundreds, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, like a couple of percent. I mean, um, I-, I suppose, but I've always felt like, even when I studied music at uni, and obviously, like, music, it's a great privilege to play music, and so... If, if you're lucky enough to be able to do it, it is a privilege in, in its own, in itself, i.e. like, and, and, and if you've got a good family, if you've got a good support network around you, it, it makes it, um, in some cases, it, that's what makes it possible to play music. In some cases, it makes it a lot easier. Mm. Um, but, you know, of all the people I've met in my life and who I've um, went to uni with, I think everyone um, in my, like, world has had enough of a foundation to be able to properly pursue it, I think. Right. Admittedly to differing degrees, but they've all had a foundation. So I do think that the ones who end up moving to something else, a plan mm. B or, um, or or whatever, it's not because they have to. It's it's more because they just don't, like, um, they don't, maybe they don't want it enough or they're not, like, willing to tolerate, like, mm-hmm. the... the um, the shitness that comes across the, the, the sorry, the not price of entry it. into it. Yeah. Well, they're not willing to, and, and also maybe yeah. they, maybe they don't love it enough or something like that. Right. I've always felt like I, 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 it's not like I wake up in the morning and go, Oh God, I've got to do this music thing. God damn it. And it's also not like I'm going to, I get up in the morning and going, okay, okay. I'm going to, you know, big breath and I'm going to make music today. It's just like, I just get up in the morning and just, it just, hap- it just happens. It's not mm. like, and that might sound a bit esoteric and wanky, but it, it's sort of true, you know, like um, the people who I know who are making music, they make it just because they make it. It's not because they like um, have a plan necessarily. The plan does come in later some, for some people where they go, okay, I want to, mm. I've got to get focused now and, you know, really plan my, I want to make an album or whatever it might be. Mm. They, they might plan that out, but the initial thrust of it, Mm. Is, is more feels a little bit more like it's not really my choice <laughs> again it's that old trope of the muse it's something that yeah. you can't really control but you can't it's that you know and you're chasing that yeah i really appreciate yeah, something that like that mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. there's a couple of themes there that you just mentioned that i'd love to tease out a little bit one sort of you know you mentioned a couple of times just in passing you know um it's a bit nerdy studying it, it sounds a bit wanky and esoteric like, mm. how did you cope or was it even on your radar or did you just kind of naturally get through it? Especially in, like, high school where theatre kids and music kids is a real stereotype and you get your, yeah. your jocks and you get and you get this real separation. Gee, it sounds like society these days. That's another topic. <laughs> you get everyone on different sides. How did you – was that something as a kid that you were consciously aware of or you kind of went, stuff, I'm just doing music? Yeah, well, this is that thing. This is that thing goes back to what I just said before. It's like you, you, it's, I, it, when music works its best, I think you don't really choose it. It just it just happens. And I was just obsessed with it. Like I didn't like it's not. I, and I was obsessed with it from before I played guitar. It was just it was just this absolute like, um, you know, the first time I heard oh, p- p- pick a pick an album or pick a song. I mean, something something by the Beatles or. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen mm. when I was, you know, a nine-year-old or whatever. It was just the most mind-blowing thing I'd ever heard. I'm like, this is just, someone made, like, this, how did they do this? This mm. is incredible, you know? Mm. And, and now I'm a bit older, I 
understand more about it. So some of that magic isn't there. But as a nine-year-old, I was just like, what the fuck? You know, like this is incredible. <laughs> just picturing a nine-year-old saying that now, just coming yeah, out of the room I'm, like, what the? <laughs> oh, no, I remember it. I still remember it now because I was, I was a cousin I, I, uh, who showed it to me. And I remember going back to my mum and I'm like, What's that boom boomini boomini rappers rapper that song? You know, she's like, which one? I'm like boomini rapper city, like this, and she's like Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, yeah, that one by by the Queens, and she's like Queen. I'm like, yeah, and so like I was just I would just talk at her, and I was like, oh, and it's got this bit, and it's got this other bit, and then by the end they're all yelling, and there's all these weird words in it. I don't know, I don't even know what these words mean. What is Beelzebub and all this stuff? And <laughs> she went and bought me Queen's greatest hits on cassette. Ooh, and I wore it. it out, you know, like, um, and so anyway, the point I'm making is just this obsession. And so at school, yeah, like music was this weird place in school because I like, I've always been a bit of a nerdy kid anyway. Like I did well at school cause I like just, I don't know. I was okay with it in general. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I had a problem with school. I wasn't, so I, I did fine. I had good friends who weren't musical, but were nerdy anyway yeah but there was this weird thing where music was nerdy but not that kind of nerdy not academic nerdy yeah right and it wasn't jock like Mm. either definitely not jock like but i was i was involved i played sport as well up until puberty where everyone got massive and i didn't (laughs) want to hurt my fucking didn't want to hurt my fingers anymore um i get them insured at that point yeah for real so anyway I had one, like, so it was on either side. I felt wedged, you know, like mm. my, 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 my academic kind of friends were thinking, why are you doing this music thing? It's such a waste of time. Like you're going to go nowhere. You shouldn't, you get a good score <laughs> at school and go on to study something that's useful. Yeah. And, you know, but now as a, someone slightly older, if I, I, if I, whenever I see a school friend, like they're, they're more interested in what I do, <laughs> you know? Um, and, Cause it but, is so uh, unique. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I actually want them to, uh, that, that sounds like, um, no, that's a wanky thing to say. I, 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 but my point is like, I don't know, like, I, I don't mind sport. I'm not one of those musicians who's like, oh, God damn, how could they so unfair yeah. that they can play games of sport and we can't play gigs? Like, I actually like sport. Yeah. And yeah, I can understand why it's a bit, had a different approach in COVID to um, music. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, so, so it, it's not like I think that like it's one or the other or something like that. I just didn't, um, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't see any, I, I just thought music's just something you've got. Like once you've got it in you, you've just, it's just something that you've got with you for forever. You know, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, love it. I remember my, my baptism into uh, music at a young age. Dad had his record collection that was the coffee table in the living room, had a big top yeah. on it. He'd open it up and all the records were in there. And it was Led Zeppelin. It was that whole thing. Yeah. Jacko Pastorius, Weather Report, yeah, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And then I go to school yeah. and everyone's listening to R. Kelly and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, dude, yeah. And I'm like, hey, have you guys heard of this guy called Jacko Pastorius? And they're yeah. like, what? Yeah, no. What? And I'm like, he's really cool. And like, and this is his story. And everyone's like, I don't, uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, for real. And like, I do, I actually do really like pop music. um, Yeah. And so it wasn't like I was, you know, felt above anything that people were listening to. But I never, I didn't gel with it when I was at school. I was always like, like with what was coming out at the time, you know, with the like, whatever it was that was, you know, big at the time i just didn't gel with it i was i never did i was always much more likely to be listening to some old blues record or miles davis kind of blue i'm like yeah this is awesome everyone's like how old that i'm like oh old (laughs) (laughs) it's great you should listen to it it doesn't matter though right and um yeah like heaps of old stuff that you know he's quote unquote daggy but um i just love it and um so yeah, that was always weird. I always felt like I was just, I just, I just didn't, never understood it though. Like I, I, didn't, mm. I didn't care. I never, I didn't care what anyone else would listen to. I was just like, I just like what I like. And I, I never understood why people didn't like it. What I was listening to though. I'm like, this is so amazing. Listen to like the texture of the sounds, yep. the, the, you know, the, the quality of the audio and the, <laughs> anything about it really. And I just never understood why people. 
yep. weren't obsessed with it as well. <laughs> like, why aren't you obsessed with this? You know? Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're a weird lot. Um, mm. The other thing that you mentioned earlier as well that I'd love to hear more about is you mentioned, you know, embracing that or some people maybe weren't able to embrace the shittiness of the early days of being a muso. And I know there's a lot of stereotypes there as well, but what was your experience in those early startup days of having it as a, a, a passion and something you're pursuing, but it's not quite paying the bills yet? Like what was that time in your life like? And, or was it, you know, for a long period of time, a short period of time, was it the stereotype, you know, working hospo while <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing on? Definitely, definitely did that. Like worked, worked, yeah, worked at a cafe um and like for years and um i suppose um yeah i mean the, the shittiness for me at, at any point in time and, and i use the word shitty as just a catch-all for mm. like a more nuanced uh you know way of explaining it but um it was less about money although yeah money's important um, um, but you know, I'd be working at the cafe and I just, I w- would work a lot though, you know? So I would be like, I was up for it. I was like, I'm happy to, p- to be playing a gig, get home at 1am, get up at five to do a shift for 12 hours and play a gig the next night. I'm up for this. You know, I just said to myself, I'm doing it. If that's what it takes, like no big deal. That's just like the price of entry. Um, and, um, <laughs> um, and so I was up for that. The shittiness was more just like, oh, just so, so many situations where, playing a gig and another gig playing in a band where I felt like I wasn't going anywhere, but I didn't know what else to do or rocking up to a venue and finding that the PA doesn't work and, 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 or, 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 you know, having like, um, you know, uh, bands fall apart and money getting argued about, or, um, you know, like, I don't know, um, investing heavily in a project for it to not, kind of come to fruition those sorts of things and um you know feeling you know that that feeling of directionlessness that can happen i think quite easily in music where you're writing and writing and writing and you don't know what what it's all for where it's all going um all that kind of stuff was where i was like fuck yeah that that was kind of i i don't think it was shitty per se i learned a lot Mm. um but it was more just um confusing and, and there were times like yeah definitely there were times where i almost did kind of just think oh this is a bit bloody hard um and everyone's path is different like some people have really you know i, I was a bit dumb i think and um my approach was maybe a bit naive and i was sort of um m- maybe i went a bit too hard early on and burnt myself out or something like that i'm not sure um and you know here other other people have different stories um where they describe it a lot more you know in, in different light to what i'm saying but um yeah i don't know I, eventually um you know i f- sort of I, I think the biggest thing with almost anything in life but definitely with music is the personalities that you, that you work with um it's not the only thing but it's really important and probably the probably the, the biggest thing and um i managed to eventually fall on my feet with some people and that was great you know things got easier from there and um you know but and a lot of luck as well just luck at varying times like you know my current band holy holy that could have very easily not happened if i had have taken a slight step in another direction at a certain point in time before it started getting gathering momentum or and so many things could have been different you know Mm. so um, yeah, persistence and luck are important though. Yeah. Is there, a, is there, you just touched on it there. Is there, was there a sliding doors moment for you with the holy, holy, where it is like how that started? I don't know if like, I'd, I'd never say there was a singular one, um, mm. but there was definitely, I, I think life is just thousands and thousands of sliding doors all the time that you don't, but you don't have the sense that they are what that. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and so many things could, could be different. But um, I think we were um, kept kind of, I guess if, if there was such a thing as a, um, I don't know, a path for us that was like uh, destined, although I don't believe in that, but if there was a path for us that was kind of, I don't know, like a funnel that we kind of went mm. through, you know, um, it, it was it was helped along by the fact that we were patient and we were having fun with it. We weren't actually 
uh, we put a lot of effort in, but we weren't desperately trying super hard. We didn't have a, we didn't have a super 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 clear plan or strategy or anything like that. Um, some bands do that, and we didn't. Um, I know that Tim, uh, Tim the singer from the band, um, he, he he was you know putting a lot into it early on, but it wasn't like he had like a you know a really clear you know um, long term plan for it. I and and um, I think that things work out best that way, especially mm. you know, within music. Um, when you, I, I think there's a, and I had this tendency early on, but I think it's really easy, especially like I, I just recently did this mentoring thing for some students from a, from a TAFE down here in Melbourne and um, online. And I, I, I was struck by how much the TAFE had instilled in them a sense that they have to have clear planning objectives um, for their project, which is great. I wasn't like, I didn't think it was a bad thing at all but i did when i spoke to the students i did say look the planning is fine but you cannot let that supersede the feeling you get in the room and the the, the energy you get in the room and the personalities of the people involved because that's actually what's going to you know your project's going to live or die based on that it's not going to you know you, if you, you if you've got a really clear plan this you know and, and, and the personalities aren't gelling, you're just going to end up s- sort of shoving a square peg in a round hole. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. what I did for a few years before Holy Holy. So, um, yeah, but anyway, like, I love that. There's a quote by Mick Jagger, I think it is, um, like, from ages ago, like, from the 60s. I th- it, might even, it might even have, it, like, it's, it's, it, he's being interviewed on TV. It, I think it's black and white. Um, and he's so young, you know, he's like, he must be, 20 or 21 or something like that and the interviewer's like oh so how long do you think this rolling stones thing's gonna last for he goes oh i don't know maybe another year or two um just shrugs he just he doesn't it's not that he doesn't care obviously cares but he's just not thinking he's not thinking oh this is my nest egg Mm. (laughs) he's Mm. just feeling it you know it's so it's so important Mm. to remember that i think Mm. it's it's the, the you gotta appreciate from the outset the nuance that it's not a formula, yeah. you can't force it, that if you overplan, that would get in the way of the creativity and the luck factor because luck then you factor. go, well, no, 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 I've got the plan and that doesn't fit into the plan so it can, it can disappear. Yeah. Well, actually, that could have been the moment that led to the thing that led to the... Exactly. exactly. It's got to be fluid. Yeah, yeah. got to be both. Ha- yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has, has to be fluid. It has to be fluid and it has to be reactive um, and I think if you can get a good balance of, oh, you know what they say, what's it about luck where you're... Fortune favors the bold, and you know you you, you create you, you get yourself into a situation where you can get lucky. You can do some of those things, and you know be be a bit prepared, and so on and so forth. But uh, ultimately, yeah, there's just so many little moments of luck mm. that happen. That mm. and, and and I I was you know early on with with um holy holy. I, I, to be honest, everything every album we put out, I'm just thinking like oh god, and I mean obviously I hope it goes well, but. I'm. I'm just. I never take it for granted ever, and you know, I'm always anxious about whether it's going to translate well and whether we're going to be able to do a tour that where people come to the shows. And that ang- and th- and that feeling too. Nothing is. Nothing is determined. Nothing is set in stone. Nothing is. Can't take anything for granted. That's also good too because it keeps us kind of moving forward as well. You know, and like mm. never just sort of. Um, I don't know. I'm settling. Never settling. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the same analogy. It's the holding it tightly and appreciating it for what it is, but not holding it so loosely. You're like, oh, who gives a shit? You know, whatever. And what, it's it's that nuanced balance, balance of both, and it's and it's a dance, and it's all those analogies and metaphors and whatever that it, you can't yeah. have it. As you said for yourself earlier, that it wasn't. You know, maybe you thought you were a little naive earlier on when you were going through sort of you know that that rite of passage phase of getting into it whereas others weren't like so different and i think that it's, i've mentioned a hundred times on this podcast already for so many people you look at where people are at and go how did they do it i'm going to do it like that and we try and follow that formula not knowing all the pieces in between not knowing the st- stories not knowing that yeah there's gigs where you rocked up and the stage was two by two and you couldn't fit four people on it what mm, yeah it's yeah. a thing like you gotta deal with that and the personality factor and we try and force it and especially in the age of social media, where just the accessibility of everything is fantastic, but it also distorts our their perspectives in where we go, I can do that just like them. It's yes. like, maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. 
what you what you see there and and you know understanding social media for what it is and i actually i actually like social media i been getting into it lately more than before and um i'm not one of those people who i, I have really shocking uh phone habits i'm I, i'm on my phone late at night in bed first thing in the morning um so i'm i'm completely not one of those people who thinks you have to have a measured response <laughs> or measured relationship with your yeah. phone and social media i actually believe social media should be an extension of that very same fluidity that we're talking about yeah right i lean onto the social side of social media rather than the media side it is for communicating with people obviously there's all sorts of negative um what do you call them externalities that can come along with it and it can fuck you in the head a little bit here and there and make mm. you feel a bit shitty and it can give you an unreal an unrealistic sorry an unrealistic perception of other people and who they are and what they've done and what they do mm. so i always keep that in mind and um i feel i'm i feel lucky with what generation i am um that i i grew up without social media yeah and um i mean that funny little wedge position there where I, um, you know, Facebook, I, I didn't have Facebook until I was in my twenties, mm. um, and a smartphone until a bit later than that. Cause there was that time where Facebook was a, uh, desktop, a P like, you know, you could only get on that. Yep. Yeah. 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 There was that time. Um, and I, you know, my first band that I was in, we was a MySpace era. Um, and uh. so I've, I've, I came up in that time where it was like, you know, the advent of the MP3 and the failure of CDs or the, you know, the downfall of CDs and other physical forms. Mini discs vinyl. are the next mini big discs. thing. They're going to be yeah. a thing. You need to get a mini disc player. Oh I, my had, gosh. I had one. Look how much you can one. fit on such a small thing. <laughs> Man, you know what? Yeah, there's a funny, funny with mini discs. Tim, Tim and I, we, we first met years ago when we were... Um, we were traveling actually, and um, we were, there's a group of us traveling. Um, and my mate, not Tim, my other mate, he um, he had a mini disc player that he was um, traveling with because it was so much smaller. He's like so much better, you know. You, and you just have a handful of little mini discs, and it doesn't skip when you're on a bus. Oh, I remember we're, that. We're, <laughs> yeah, we we're, were in the third world, so it was like really we're doing all these bumpy bus rides and all this stuff. Anyway, um, he had also had a little tiny little microphone so you could record onto the mini discs. That's cool. So some of the, f the first ever collaborations I did with Tim um, were on a mini disc. Um, that's but, um, amazing. That's, I think, that, I think those, those tapes are long gone and probably for good reasons. So. <laughs> One of my favorite stories of that era around that technology is, you know, because Sony was so dominant for so long between yeah. the Walkman and then the Discman and then yeah. fell off a cliff is... At that time when the first iPod came out, the technology that went into making that, Sony had access to that technology just in different areas, just in different departments. But because they were so so um, siloed as a business, they didn't put them all together and make one product, yeah. whereas they could have. That's so frustrating. And that years, point in time, now yeah. Apple just... Yeah. Crazy. Oh, absolutely. And, and it was so, you know, even the record labels back then, I can understand why they were weren't sure what was happening but you got to remember the cds when they came out the record labels thought they were a threat to their bottom line at first before they adopted them and then when the mp3 came around the, the record labels oh yeah again i can understand why they were like oh god is this the technology we should you know go quids in on mm. and, um and and they really i think they they sort of duffed it up a bit i think and and it took you know like apple and the itunes music store which which really decimated um, the album as a format for that period of time um, um, to kind of sort of blast through it a bit. And I think the labels, you know, they're doing better now with with streaming and so on, although everyone's got like issues with Spotify and the way that it operates. And I can also understand that. Um, I, I can say, f I think though, almost for certain that it's better now than it was in 2005 or 2008 or even 2011, but it's still not perfect. Um, and I don't know if it ever is perfect. Tease that out perfect. a bit, because that's a fascinating perspective. Like that's because you have been through that sort of that early days to now. What has been that big difference? What have been those factors? What makes it better now than it was in 2005 with the mini disc coming out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I, I think that there's the, you know, 2005 also was different to 1995 and 1990. Like, right. If you think about... Um, if you think about, well, there's so many factors, but in 2005, we were, it was a time when 
the industry was sort of stuck between two worlds. One was this physical release world, CDs, etc., um, and the digital world, which was represented represented by iTunes Music Store. Um, obviously, there was MySpace, etc., um, and 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 this just in, this huge move towards that. And so um, it was like it was also and and you know so if you, in a band as I was at the time, and we had a label. Um, it was so confusing trying to release something. It's like, do you put everything, you know, is this going to be, are we, and you could still sell some records if you were like Coldplay. But, um, <laughs> is this going to be like the, the labels were just stuck between two worlds. It felt they, they, they didn't want to go all in on the MP3 thing because they didn't know how to sell them and make any money off it. Um, yeah. and, 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 and obviously there was also Napster and all the, the, the kind of piracy that was happening as well. Mm. Um, but then CDs, you know, so, so some of them were, they were experimenting with, you know, like special, you know, technology in the CDs so that people couldn't rip them and stuff like that, which just pissed off consumers. Um, so it was this funny world. And it was also, though, the other big thing was it was a time when um, it, it was very difficult to market a tour. You're like, OK, we're doing posters and some digital ads. Um, and we're going to do some TV stuff as well and, and trying to go on rove, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. All these different things. Whereas now it's really simple. It's like, okay, you do online marketing basically. Um, you, if, if you really want to, you can do some f- posters stuff, but do online marketing. That's about it. Um, with now you do your releases, it goes to streaming. If you want to do some CDs, you can do them. doesn't matter though. It's all streaming and vinyl for special releases. Um, yes, the income you get back from streaming isn't amazing, but Think about how much it costs to make a record now. It's so much less than it was then. Really? And even if absolutely, because in two thousand and five, the technology to record music was nothing like it is now. Really? Wow. Yeah. Also stuck in between two worlds, you had digital recording, which sounded pretty crap. Um, still, it wasn't. It was. It was. You know, like it had been around for a little while by mid two thousands, but. It just wasn't so good. And the bedroom thing wasn't really happening yet. I mean, you could do some things in your bedroom. Don't get me wrong, music-wise. Um, but um, just it play, was, with, yeah, <laughs> play with yourself for hours. Um, but it just sounded, it didn't sound as good. Yeah. And so then there was the thing where you could go into a fancy studio and there was still a bit of people recording a fully analog, mm. um, which people still do now, but that's more of a kind of anomaly. Um so the point I'm kind of getting to is I think it's easier to make music now. You can make better th- sounds cheaper. Um, think about COVID. Everyone's been locked up for 18 months and you can still make a record. Um, haven't had to go into a fancy studio. You can make it cheaper. You can release it easier. Um, and like I've also noticed also how Australian music's gone over the years. Like in mid-2000s, to go over to South by Southwest was huge and possibly financially ruinous to an artist. Now we get Australian artists touring overseas all the time. It's so commonplace. And I don't think people realize how difficult it used to be and how much easier. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but how much easier it is now. And is it easier because it's easier to market and, and build that base or like people are able to find you more to like get you over to like a Lollapalooza or something like that? Like, Yeah, I think people are able to find you more. It's easy to market yourself over there. It's easy to be heard over there. You don't have to do like a physical campaign, you know, to get in people's ears. Um It's easier to organize the tour. It's easier to book the tour. And also Australian music is actually much more respected now than it was in the mid 2000s you know mm. on the heels of really great artists um there w- were great artists back then too but they were but it's now you know fairly commonplace for australian artists to be you know really massive in the states um obviously not heaps of them but some of them you know and what's led to that change in uh perception of australian music has it been its consistency over the last decade or has it been some big artists or I know of a band. I know of a little band. Um, well, they're not, they're not little in the States, but they're, they are little in Australia. They don't have, not many people have heard of them. They're from Newcastle. Um, and they're, they've just booked a tour and they're selling out shows across the US because people have discovered them through Spotify and TikTok. That's awesome. Um, What's the band's name? Streams. They're called Vacations. I, I did a record Check with them, them and they're awesome. They're legends. They're great people. Um, but that couldn't have happened in 2005. 
And and th- the point is here, they're not a big label band where they've had a big push. It could have maybe happened then, but then the music would have been more mainstream. They're not a mainstream sounding artist. They're just a good artist awesome. to make interesting, cool music. And that couldn't have gotten out there the way it has now any other time, you know, other than the last five years. Basically. Wow. I remember it's awesome. It's so good. And it's so good for us as Aussies. I remember one thing that, that put yeah. the music industry here in perspective for me was when somebody, and I don't know, I've, I haven't fact checked this. This is just regurgitating, you know, rumor from back in 2005 is the Christian music industry in America is bigger than the entire Australian music industry. Oh, definitely it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you just, your brain just goes, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it would be. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are a lot of Christians in America. There'd be mm. more Christians in America. Then there are Australians. Australians and yeah, and and and, and also Christianity. I mean, I'm I'm not religious at all, but um, the modern Christian churches are very musicy now. Yeah, I I, I I did a I did a song once with someone who was in the church, mm. and and it was he was looking for a cheap way to record drums. And he's like, <laughs> oh, we can just go to my church to do it. And I'm like, oh, what? what? And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, cool, we'll go to some old, like, beautiful like you know unused church that that used to get used in 1860 and it's going to have a high wooden ceiling and we're going to get these beautiful cavernous sounds going to be great no we rocked up it was like an amp it was just like a regular like um uh, convention center that was now a church and it was like a multi multi-million dollar institution the gear they had was like the most amazing like for music i mean they, yeah. they had mics they had in-ear monitors they had baffles they had a great sounding stage they had all this stuff and i'm just like this is this is like this is kind of blowing my mind a bit here you know like i mean yeah i'm 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 as atheist as they come and here i am recording drums in a church thinking shit it's a good setup <laughs> yeah it's a good setup yeah <laughs> god it was it was it was it was yeah i mean maybe i sound naive but i was blown away by that Mm-hmm. So it's, it's got to have been fascinating having watched that evolution of music over the last 15-odd, 20-odd years in Australia. Um, tell me about sort of your first band. And it was Dukes of Windsor, I believe. Yeah. Right? And you moved to Germany with them for a while. Yes, we did that. Yeah, yeah, we did that. How was yeah. that moving out of Australia and going to a, another country and living there to do music? What was that experience like? Oh, it was, it was good. Like I, in hindsight, I actually, I, I didn't enjoy the time very much to be honest, but yeah, right. that was for a number of different reasons. That was cause I was like, in a probably wasn't in the right headspace and the band was, honestly, the band was kind of, um, dynamically, uh, not doing great. Yeah. And, and, and there was some, there was some, the, the band wasn't gelling. Yeah. Really. Um. And um. And and, and you know I, I had I like I th- th- that was another one of those things where like we were sh- you know just like, Berlin is a very cheap place to live compared to anywhere in Australia really. It's a rye. Now than it, yeah, <laughs> compared to rye, less cheap now than it, it would be less cheap now than it was then. Mm. But still, it was it this was you know twenty ten. Um, 2010, I think it was, um, through to 2011 and it was cheap, you know, so we could get by for a while, but not forever. And so we got to a point where I ran out of money and I was trying to get jobs and like, just thinking to myself and, and actually the music scene there is really electronic, Mm. uh, oriented. It's great. It's great, Mm. but probably wasn't quite right for what I was doing at the time. Um, I, and, and I got back to Melbourne after spending some time over there and I was like, wow, we're lucky in Melbourne, actually. Like, our scene is good here. Lots of bands. And so, um, yeah, so, so basically by the end of the time in Berlin, Jukes of Windsor had broken up and I'd broken up with my girlfriend at the time and I had another little band going and we, and we got back to Melbourne and we just started getting more gigs in Melbourne and we're like, well, let's just stay here now. <laughs> and I was like tail between my legs thinking, fuck this whole fucking music thing. I've just like, what, what, am I, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> that would have given you such a good perspective. And I think, you know, because you sound so um, grounded and so centred in what you're doing. And I don't mean that in a woo-woo kind of way, but in a real sort of, as you touched on before, you really appreciate how good it is that you've got it and you sound really appreciative. You don't sound bitter and chip on your shoulder, even though you haven't been able to perform a gig in however many long. And I feel like a lot of people that I know that haven't had that, that you know, that, that you know, going through the crucible experience of going, oh, this is shit, whatever, um, 
you've clearly come through that and it's given you that perspective that enables you to be so appreciative of what you have now, which is unique. Yeah, I yeah, I guess it has. And I do I do feel yeah, yeah. Like I know it's a bit of a cliche to say it now, like to feel grateful and blessed, all that stuff, but um um but I yeah, I really do actually feel that way and feel lucky. But I think um, you know, I, I first um but when I was in Berlin was when I first started writing some um, songs with Tim. We we hadn't seen each other for a number of years, I think, at the time. And he happened. It was more happenstance that we kind of had this project emerging. So from out of that time of like um, feeling just sort of, I felt stupid. I felt like an idiot. I felt like a dude. So. I felt like I'd put. I felt like I put all my eggs in this basket and right. a fancy move to Berlin. And I had this band that had been going for years. And I've like put all this in energy into it and all this crap. And then it fell apart and didn't work out with my my girlfriend at the time. And I just was like, oh god, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> um, and I felt like I had stuff to offer still. Right like now I'm now I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I still yeah. feel like I've got stuff to offer. But get back to Melbourne, come back to Australia, and people are like, so what are you gonna do now? And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. I guess like feel like i can't just keep working hospo um but, <laughs> did it make um, you gun shy for the next gig absolutely yeah and that's right yeah so i was with tim and we'd been writing these songs and i didn't wasn't thinking anything of it other than for fun which was what was so great about it because mm. i was like well i'm not putting any eggs into any baskets right now i'm just having right. fun music and i was like it was a real like spirit lifter and um i met my wife who wasn't you know i just met her and started making music with her, and that was also a spirit lift. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just having a good time here, but I'm not enough. Uh, everything's going steady. I'm not going right. <laughs> um, but then it got to a point where, with you know, it, it just sort of gathered some momentum, and then it, you know, there was a point where we got to with Holy Holy. Where I was like, okay, we need to kind of, we need to figure out what this is now. Like, is it a band? Is it a solo project? Is it a, yeah, right? How, how we, 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 if there's ever money, how do we split it, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. All these conversations did have to happen, but I was definitely, yeah, feeling pretty gun shy to a point where I was like, almost, I think I said to Tim at one point, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, mate. Don't know if I want it. I don't know. Just don't know. Um, and I said, you know, there's been multiple times where we've had to recalibrate uh, over the years, where he, you know, like we might have been playing a lot with a band and you know we've always kept it a duo the two of us in the business side you know doing the emailing and the uh, running it stuff etc yeah running it and there's been times where it's been like oh should we bring on an extra member our drummer or whatever and i've always i feel like a bit of an asshole saying this but i, I stuck to it i just said no i'm not doing a band again <laughs> it's two of us max of course i'm not doing it because i just don't i don't want the hassle I, I think it'll be hard work and i think that I think what we've got is good, and I don't think a third person will improve it. Mm. Um, don't mess with the recipe. So, yeah, I don't, don't mess with this recipe. This recipe's good, and I and I just cannot have a third person in the chain. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm, it's not about money, and we, we I think we have been, you know, good good with money stuff with our other collaborators. It's nothing to do with that. It's just mm. to do with um, being on the same page, you know. Um, so, um, I was stubborn about that and, um, Tim has been super respectful and he's got a good attitude about it and so on and so forth. So we've managed to kind of get through and we have arguments every now and then and, you know, have to tough it out and, um, a bit here and there. And, um, but, but in, in my old band, Dukes of Windsor, we had an argument. It was always toxic and weird and yucky, but with this one, we say, if we, if we disagree, we kind of disagree and then we come back together and it's, for the, it's, it's a, it's like a progressive thing. You yeah. Know? It's like you just, you disagree for an honest reason that helps you understand each other better, mm. you know, rather than the kind of disagreement mm. where you're just sort of mm. just and going, I, bah. And, I, and I wonder like how much of that, and I don't know if this is even answerable, how much of that do you think is experience or just age and maturity? Or is it maturity uh, based yeah. on age and experience all mixed up in yeah, one? That, that and personality too. Mm. That and personality. Like intrinsic personalities matter. Like some people are <laughs> able to be honest with you yep. and with themselves better than others. And some people take feedback better. Some people some aren't as attached better. to their ideas and are yeah. okay with their ideas not being taken on board. Exactly. And some, some, and some, and you know, the, the I think the biggest thing is, yeah, being honest with yourself, mm. what your limit is and, you know, being able to say, hey, mate, I don't think we should do that and 
I hope you can appreciate my position and I think we I think I'm just gonna say no to this, etc. Whatever. It's not like, personal. Rather than like rather than when you're young and you're like, Oh yeah, no, yeah, sounds good. Yep, that's good. And then you hate it and then you're angry and all this crap happens. And like I'm not saying that happens for everyone, but that was what I was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, um, like, you know, different gigs and the and the challenges of that and the whole gigging side of things as well. What has been you don't have to mention names. What has been the roughest gig or just the roughest venue? Like you mentioned one, you know, rock up and the PA system doesn't work. Like the behind the scenes and, you know, my, I guess if I had a trade to be working within the events industry and stuff like that. And yeah. the number of times that people rock up to an event, like that was amazing. Everything went so smoothly. I'm like, oh, you have no idea what went down behind the scenes. We nearly had this didn't happen. This didn't rock up. This didn't go ahead. But you thought it was all smooth. Great. I've done my job yeah. because behind the scenes, it was a shy show. Um, yeah, yeah. Bands, I feel like it's, it's it's the same sort of thing. You got no idea. Rehearsal might have gone bad, or like you know, what's been your some of your experiences? I'm sure there'd be some fun stories in there. Yeah, I mean, in my previous bands, um, I really do think, I, and I believed it at the time, but I believe it even more now that you've got to be you've got to take as much responsibility as you can as an artist and as a musician. So that means knowing exactly, like. Like, like, like being really prepared. Like, you know, being <laughs> but I'm a creative. I just, you know, I just got to go with the flow. I don't have a plan. I, I can rock up 45 minutes late to rehearsal. <laughs> but you know what? I, I just keep using the analogy of speaking English. Like I spent years learning how to talk English. Like, and I still am learning. Like, you know, how old I am is how long I've been learning to speak English. Mm -hmm. And like the point of that is that I can go into any conversation and like talk. And I don't know what's going to happen next in the conversation because I've learned English. It's the same with music. You can learn it enough that you can go into any musical situation and you've got, you've got something to throw at it to make it work. That's what it's about for me. It's not about preparing so that you've got this rigid kind of script. It's not about learning a script. It's about learning how to talk. Mm, so mm. I think of it that way. But like also just like, learn, like knowing how, what, how to be on a stage, how to how to react if you can't hear your guitar, how to, how to, how to deal with it. If like the PA is fucked, um, you've got a backup plan for if X dies or X doesn't work or, you know, it's, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we've got a front of house engineer who he, he always knows the venue before we get there. He's, he's, he's across everything. And our manager, she's also really good with all that stuff too. And so like just being prepared. So like in my older bands, like we just wouldn't be prepared. We'd rock up and the venue's a bit fucked. And we're like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? How, oh, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. But, like, it was our fault for not being prepared and understanding, you know? Yeah. So there is a side to what you've got to be responsible for. But that said, yeah, sometimes you do arrive at a venue and, like, it's just a schmozzle. And yeah. there's very little you can do. And you just, you just grit your teeth and kind of mm. you just grit your teeth and get through it and do your best to, you know, maybe we change the set list, don't play the the – I don't know, play the more chilled songs. I don't know, whatever it yeah. might be. Just and I think, whatever it has to be, you know. And I think you nailed it there. I think that's the, that's the goal takeaway from that is is your level of preparedness, I feel like, is almost proportional to your level of resilience when shit goes sideways. Yeah. Exactly. The, the more prepared you are, the more able you are to kind of just grin and bear it because you've done the work. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is that exactly experience right. and age and maturity factor again as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, that's right. That's right. My, my goal has always been to just be able to know that I can go on a stage no matter what and come off it and have having like felt like I've properly played music rather than just struggled, you know? Yeah. And you, got, you get there by struggling a lot. But by now, by now, I feel like, yeah, I can go on a stage and I can just be involved. Mm. And if it's, if the sound's a bit fucked, it's all good. I've got ways I can work around that. Mm. If I don't know the song very well. I can work around that. I've got ways, I've got strategies, I've got ways of dealing with it. Yeah. And all of that means that it's not like I've got fallback plans. There are actually ways for me to be more involved, to have fun with it. They know? equip you to so, be able to be creative rather than yeah, restrict. That's right. Yeah, mm. exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I see it, I suppose. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And one thing I've always wondered, and you mentioned, you know, that preparedness is how much practice do you have to do Say, you know, it's, it's, it's touring time. What, does, what are the habits and what are the routines that you have to make sure that you are prepared and that you are ready for those situations? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I, I used to practice a lot just playing guitar. Mm. Um, used to practice heaps, um, like just 
hours every day. Um, you know, when I was at uni, I was doing six or seven hours a day. Wow. Um, and that, that, that went down. Um, I don't practice much anymore. Um, but so there was that. I see all of that as being preparing for life in general. It's like, it's like school, you know. Um, it, it, it's just... I, again, again, I just think about how, how long it took me to learn how to speak English. Like if everyone took that long to learn how to play music, think, think how fluent you can become in it, you know? Mm. Um, so there's that. But then when it comes to touring, we do a bit of rehearsing. We live in different states. Um, so it's a bit hard to get together to rehearse. But we do a lot of preparing before we get together and we make sure we make the most of that time. Um, which is, you know, pretty like, yeah, boring, actually, the preparation, you know, I've got like spreadsheets and shit. No um, way. It's good though. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Like, um, and, and so we know exactly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And we do a lot of prep. And then that way, again, it's that same thing we were just talking about. Then you can hit the ground running and you can just enjoy playing music rather than you get there set up and then you like have to talk and like um you know do a lot of planning for hours you lose all this rehearsal time then you get to the end of rehearsal and you're like shit we've got a we're not really prepared here are we guys so um yeah just kind of like had enough experiences where you get to the end of a rehearsal feeling like you've barely played a note to make me realize it's there's a lot of stuff you can do before you get there and and then you can make it actually um enjoyable yeah <laughs> and you can actually play music you know and have fun for that yeah, exactly, mm. right? Yeah, you can have, 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 have a few beers and play music and enjoy it and come out and feeling like not only have you rehearsed, but you've enjoyed it and, um, uh, and like, you, you know, the gig will be, like, hopefully great. I, ne I never think the gig's going to be great. I always think hopefully the gig will work. Really? Anything more, anything more than that is a bonus. And normally, like, the, normally my expectation being somewhat tempered makes it better mm. in mm. the long run. Mm. It always is that way. I always feel like if I'm if I'm on a high before the gig and I get on stage, I'm like, fucking yeah, this is gonna be sick. Um, it it just never. It's just too. The expectation doesn't match the experience. Mm. So I always got my expectation. But also the other thing. That's the other thing about music is I I feel like music is just an extension of who we are as people. It's not like this magical thing. It is magical how it feels, but it's not magical like actual magic. It is like a thing that we just is an extension of what we do, and um. And so, like, when I go on stage, I don't want to be any different person to who I am off the stage. I just want to be, I want it to feel, I want it to feel normal. I don't want it to feel amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Um, and I, you are so considered and so, um, just the word to have it is just nuanced. You don't get overexcited, but you don't get underexcited. Like you, you, you're very comfortable. Live. I don't even want to call it grey. I don't think that's accurate either. It's it's so hard to put my finger on. You're just so, yeah, considered and prepared. You've done the work, but you're also open and fluid. Uh, yeah. But you're also not afraid to say, no, this is, and as you said earlier, be stubborn on certain things. Fight the battles that are worth fighting and let the other things go that aren't worth it. Like, that is, yeah. it's, and I reckon that's a real attribute. It's a real um, compliment to your character and your personality to be somebody that, you know, most people think rock stars on stage, all the attention's on you, but somehow you've navigated and curated this personality that can be super dedicated to the work, but not also make it all about you. Mm. Yeah, it's a hard balance between doing what's right for you, but not making it all about you. That's a hard balance to get right. And it's possible to get it right. And is that something you consciously work on or is that just something that's just, it's just who you are? Well, you know, if, if I'm pushing a point or if I'm trying to get an idea over the line um, or if I've got a thing that I want, whether it's, you know, and there's a lot of different ways that can occur, whether it's in writing a song or producing or even on stage, I'm trying to get my sound right on the stage. Um, you know, is it, you know, I've always got in the back of my head, am I, being a, am I taking too long here or am I, Am I asking too much of my collaborators if I'm sort of if I spend 25 minutes getting my sound right on stage, or is that the right thing to do? And everyone should have that 25 minutes because actually it makes it better for everyone. And I think the latter actually it is better to do it. But early on, I was like, oh no no, you know, all good, I'm good, I sounds good, you know, quick quick check, yep, that sounds good, thanks. Even though it sounded like shit, <clears throat> and I'm actually not doing a service to anyone. 
by by being that way by by but by doing the right thing by me i'm doing the right thing by everyone and so the same with writing a song if you've got an idea and you don't and you you know you want to get it over the line but you don't back yourself and you sort of hide in a corner then you're not really doing a service to the song or the other people around you because you're not you're not you're not giving them you you know you have to give them yourself your real self in order to get an idea across the line i think and maybe you're wrong sometimes i'm producing a song and i've got an idea and i want to get it over and communicate it to the artist and then i get you know we spend a few hours working and i'm like you know what I, i'm not right this is this actually hasn't worked and we just move on to the next idea and it's like better to do that and serve the song rather than kind of try to be quote unquote nice all the time mm-hmm. and um and never get your ideas over the line which is going to feel bad for me but also not be good for the music as well because you haven't got an open communication mm. going, basically mm. so yeah yeah it's it's intense ownership and also um being able to voice your opinion it's it's not something that everybody can do no i mean i'm, mm. I'm not that amazing at it's any at all actually mm. like but I, I sometimes team has to coax it out of me sometimes my wife does just you know in daily life but like get we get there mm. um but i'm be- better at it than i used to be mm. sure. that's awesome Oscar, this has been amazing. We've gone way past an hour. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your perspective and sharing through anything, everything. One last question, though, I ask this kind of at the end of everything, is yeah. one travel question. If you had to go back to your younger self playing in your room, <laughs> yeah. what do you say to yourself and do you even say anything? Probably best not to because, um, you know, that's like parenting is you've got to, I think it's important. I'm not a parent, but I, I think my parents did this for me, which was to actually just not like be hands off a bit and just let them, let, let, let your kid kind of figure things out themselves and, and, and make, make their own little mistakes because they learn more. So actually I should probably not say anything, but to be a, to be a sport and answer the question, I would just pay, probably just say, be patient, take your time. Don't, there's no rush, mate. Love it. it. Love yeah, it. Just take your time. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because I, I didn't for many years, but now I do. <laughs> That's great to hear. Love it. And on that note, Oscar, thanks heaps for your time. Everybody check out Holy Holy, their latest album. And have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks,